0: We are going to continue in our series called New Beginnings, and uh, what we're going to be talking about this morning is a guy who's so famous, (laughs) imagine being this famous, I know Drake is famous, but imagine being this famous, That that when Jesus came on the scene, people thought, I wonder if he's that guy. Like so, Jesus shows up. Jesus, the Son of God, and people are wondering. I wonder if it's that guy. And so, who is that guy? The guy's name is Elijah, and he's uh, one of Israel's famous prophets. Most famous. Um, you got Elijah. You got Moses. You know. You got just these these big, you know, names in the Bible, people we name our kids after, okay, Elijah, right, he's probably the center forward of your kids club soccer team, right, and so, uh, who is this guy Elijah, well, I'll give you a little background, and then we're going to blow through his life, very quickly and then we're going to slow way down to one story and typically I tell that story but we're going to read it together or I'll, I'll read it but it we'll have all the verses up there so we can really sit down and think about what was Elijah going through during this story so this happened at a time when the kingdom of Israel was split into two sections the north which was Israel and the south which was Judah and this happened after King Solomon reigned King Solomon was the wisest uh, person on the planet ever. Um, but here's the thing about wisdom. This is a key. You can take this home. This is free. This is, this is just something extra. You have to use it. Okay? So you can be the wisest person at your office. You got to use it. Okay? You got to use the wisdom. And Solomon did not do that. And so what happened is his son took over and basically just ruined everything. And so every, it, 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 it turned into two kingdoms, the north, Israel, and the south, Judah. And then if you read 1 Kings, basically I'll give you a summary of 1 Kings. There was a king, and he did evil in the sight of the Lord. And then there was another king, and he did evil in the sight of the Lord. Then there was another king, and he did evil in the sight of the Lord. And then there was a king who actually did pretty well in the sight of the Lord. But then there was a king who did evil in the sight of the Lord. And it just like goes through this whole thing. It's extremely depressing. Uh, read it before you go to bed. And, uh, and so, uh. And, and so then there was a good king, bad king, all this kind of stuff. And then they get to this king, Ahab. And all of 1 Kings slows down. Like you're going, good king, bad king, good king. There'll be little stories in there, but it just goes, and it slows down. And this king was so bad that, that the author of 1 Kings thought it would be a good good idea to tell the story, and so Ahab marries this woman Jezebel, and Jezebel is a follower of the god Baal, and uh, Baal was not a good god at all, and so she, and then uh, Ahab, to impress his wife Jezebel, sets up this altar for her, and and there's altars of Baal all over Israel, and then they put up these things called Asherah poles, and Asherah was kind of like Baal's girlfriend, and these poles were all over the place, and, 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 and so you're walking down the street, and you see these Asherah poles, and they represent, um, well, imagine, it's kind of like if you're driving through Vegas, and they have all the billboards, right? And so if you're walking with your son, and you see an Asherah pole, and they're, they're like, Daddy, what's that? You're like, look, there's a lizard over there, son, and you kind of just, you just kind of try to, they're just, it was just this, it was a sexuality thing, right? And so, um, uh, he, anyway. Uh, And so this is where they are. And so God is like, he's looking down at the land of Israel, which is his land with his people. And he just sees billboards everywhere. And he's like, he's had it. So he sends Elijah. And Elijah just comes on the scene. And he goes to Ahab, King Ahab. Lots of courage. And he says this. As the Lord, the God of Israel lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. So, in other words, Elijah becomes the key to rain. That would be so awesome. If you were like the guy who you're just walking around like, hey, is it gonna rain yet? No, when I say so, it'll rain, right? But this doesn't work out too well for uh, Elijah. And so um, he has to leave. And so God sends him to this brook, and he's fed by ravens at the brook. Okay? Now, sometimes we read the Bible and we just blow through those things. But, so he's sitting at the brook and he's supposed to drink the water from the brook. And then some ravens come and they feed him meat and bread. Now, I've watched National Geographic channel. I know how birds feed their young. And I, I don't think I could do it. I really don't think so. But it's probably not the way it happened, okay? The birds probably brought flew down in their beaks with some pieces of meat, which still, I'm just a tad of a germaphobe. I'd be like, oh, thanks so much. Mmm. Shoo. Okay, right? So, so the ravens bring this meat. I guess Elijah likes it. Maybe it was really good. Maybe it was like, like fly to Morton's, grab a steak and bring it over. I don't know. But this is what happens. And so God, God is providing for Elijah in this miraculous way because it happens in the morning, And at evening, like clockwork, these birds come. Really fascinating. And so the brook dries up because there's no rain and there's a famine. And he says, Go to um, Zarephath and you'll meet a widow. And so guess what? He just walks over to the city, and out in front is a widow, just like God said. It's like a miracle. She's gathering sticks. And she has a little piece of bread in her hand. And there's beginning to be this famine. And he says to her, hey, can I have some of that bread? And she said, I'm, this is my last piece of bread. I'm taking these sticks. I'm going to go home. I'm going to build a fire. My son and I are going to split the bread. And then we're going to die. That was her plan. It's uh, not a great retirement plan. But hey, it worked for her. So uh, she, he, he asked for some bread. And he says to her, essentially, I'm a man of God. If you give me this bread, it's going to work out for you. And so she does. And he goes into her house, and she has this little jar that has a little bit of oil left and a a little thing that has some flour in it. And he says, if you make me some bread from that, as long as I'm here, that will never run out. And she does, and it didn't. So he's hanging out in their house with the widow and her son, and they're just making bread. I would start a bread business, personally. And, uh, but they, they, they just every time they eat bread, God is miraculously sustaining Elijah. Miraculously. There's no question about it. You can't, you can't d- d- describe it away. There's no way. Elijah knows this. He knows God is providing. And so the widow's oil and flour don't run out. And then the widow's son dies. And Elijah brings him back to life. In a really weird way. So the son dies, and the widow sa- is holding her son and says, my son died. You know, I thought you were a man of God. How could this happen? He grabs the son, <laughs> puts him on his shoulder, carries him upstairs to his room, puts him on the bed, and lies on him and prays. God, ra- please raise the son from the dead. Please raise your son from the dead. Nothing happens. Lies back on him again. Please raise her son from the dead. But nothing happens. Lies back on him a third time. He comes back to life. Now, I don't know what he, I know how, what I'd be like if I came back to life and there was some dude laying on me like this. I'd be like, "What are you doing? Get off me, right? But this is what happens. This is a miracle. There's no way to explain it. And, and this is what happens to Elijah. And so God tells him to go back and to meet with Ahab. Now there's a famine in the land. I mean, it's, it's worked. There's been no rain. There's a drought. The, um, Ahab is talking to this guy Obadiah, who happened to have hidden. Um, Jezebel had killed all the priests of Israel. She'd slaughtered them all. And this guy Obadiah hid a hundred in, in two caves and, so, and fed them. And so there were these hundred uh, priests that were still alive, but they were hidden. So Ahab says to Obadiah, we're going to have to start killing off animals now. And so, go find water. And so, he's, Obadiah's on his way to find water, and he sees Elijah. And essentially, he says, Elijah, I thought you were dead. And Elijah says, I'm going to talk to Ahab. And Obadiah goes, no, no. If I go back to A- Ahab, and I tell him you're alive, guess who's going to die? Me. I'm not going to do it, because God's going to take you away miraculously and then I'm going to say I thought Elijah was here and he's going to go come here I got something for you and that's what Obadiah was scared of and Elijah says I promise you I'm going to talk to Ahab and that's what happens he meets with Ahab and he has lots of courage and then this story happens I wanted to tell you that what what was going on because I wanted you to see just how faithful God has been to Elijah And not only just faithful, but faithful in, like he had Disney characters feeding Elijah, like they were flying in and providing food for him, morning and night. He had jars that never went out. He had, uh, he raised somebody from the dead by lying on top of them and praying. And then he has the courage to go speak to Ahab. He says to King Ahab, now summon the people from all over Israel to meet me on Mount Carmel, not Caramel, okay, karma. And bring 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. Jezebel was really into these gods. So Ahab sent word throughout all of Israel and assembled the prophets on Mount Caramel. And Elijah went before the people. Because remember, he summoned not only these 850 prophets, but he summoned everybody from Israel. So there's this huge crowd of people. There is Elijah, and there's 850 prophets. And he says, he went before the people and said, how long will you waver between two opinions? How long are you going to try to serve two gods? In this case, three. Asherah, Baal, and Yahweh. And this is the question God has for really all of us. When there's this other thing that's holding us back. How long? How long are you going to try to make up your mind? For some of you who've been you know, going through your process of trying to figure out, man, I don't know if I believe this whole Jesus thing, God thing, the Bible thing, and, and you're getting closer and closer, God would have the same thing. Well, what, What's it going to, how long? What do, you, what do you really need? And So this is what he, he asked them. If the Lord is God, follow him. If but if Baal is God, follow him. Like, at least pick and be done with it. But the people said nothing. <laughs> That's because the people are like us. Like, wait a minute. Okay, hold on one second. I can just see it when, you know, he says it, and they all kind of look down at their feet. I don't know if I can, I really got to pick one over the other, because I have a Baal necklace that I really love, and I got the thing, and... Like just trying to figure out, man, how do I make this big decision? So Elijah says to the prophets of Baal, they get these two bulls, one for Elijah, one for the prophets of Baal, and he says to the prophets of Baal, choose one of the bulls and prepare it first, since there are so many of you. Now, this is the beginning of Elijah's trash talk. We're going to see this throughout the story. But Elijah, I just want you to see Elijah's boldness. Now, you would be bold, too, if God had done all these miracles. I think we all agree that if I, if, I had, if I was fed by ravens in the morning and at night, and if I raised somebody from the dead, and if I had a jar of oil that never went out, and, some, then I, and we do this all the time. If I had been with Jesus and seen all those miracles, I never would have. If I could, okay, so this is how bold he is. He says, since there's so many of you, call on the name of your God, but do not light the fire. Just call on it. So they took the bull given to them and prepared it. Then they called on the name of Baal from morning till noon. Baal, answer us. And they, they shouted. But there was no response. No one answered. And they danced around the altar they had made. This is exactly how they danced. I don't know. I don't know how they danced. But they danced around the altar. They, they, they're ramping it up because they figure if they can muster up enough stuff yelling and dancing and yelling louder and really caring their false god is going to come through for them how often have we done that with our false gods well i just the problem was i just didn't do this right or i didn't do that right or you know yeah it failed me or i'm lost this, or I gained that, or whatever. We think, we think if we just get everything all lined up right, our false God is going to actually perform for us the way we want him or her to. No one answered. They danced around the altar. At noon, Elijah begins to taunt them. (laughs) This is so cool. I don't know how ladies taunt each other. Um, I know how dudes do. uh, And this is pretty much it. Um... Shout louder, he said. You know, I, don't, I wonder if he was just like sitting by the altar, by his altar like this, you know, watching or doing whatever. But he says, shout louder. Surely he is God. Surely he's a God. Come on, you got, you got altars everywhere. You got necklaces. You got WWBD. You got, you got bracelets. You got all this kind of stuff going on. Surely, surely he's going to do something for you. You're so committed. Perhaps he's deep in thought or busy or traveling. Now, this word traveling means going for a walk, which uh, in Hebrew means going to the bathroom. Okay? So, this is just so you're clear Elijah's deep into his trash talk at this time. Okay? We would say it different in our culture, but I'm not going to do that right now. Maybe he's sleeping. And must be wakened. And Now, this this particular one actually got to him like, and hey, maybe he is sleeping. So they shouted louder, like <laughs> we got to wake him up, and slashed themselves with swords and spears as was their custom until their blood flowed. Now, next week we're going to start this at Living Spring, okay? <laughs> as part of our worship, there'll be a little thing in front, the little thing in front of your chair. No. Right? This is their thing. If I can just muster up enough stuff, I can get my God to do stuff. I've done this with Yahweh. <laughs> where I think, maybe I prayed wrong. Maybe I wasn't committed enough. Maybe I did something, now he's angry. Maybe, maybe, maybe he doesn't care. Maybe I didn't, you know, we, we, Lisa and I have gone through lots of the stuff we've all gone through, where we're praying for something and it doesn't, it's not happening. And so uh, they, they go and until their blood flows Uh, flowed. Midday passed, and they continued their frantic prophesying until the time for the evening sacrifice. But there was no response. No one answered. No one paid attention. When we follow false gods, whatever it is, power, money, sexuality, whatever it is, at our greatest time of need, When we call out to that God, don't have a chance. Not going to answer. And this is why God is so interested in saying, How long are you going to do this? How long are you going to follow after that thing that might bring you momentary, one momentary feeling, one momentary thing? You know it's not going to last. And you get all worked up, and it's this, and I got to hold on to this relationship. Oh, if I don't have this relationship, oh, I, I'm going to work harder. I'm going to work better. I got I to gotta get married. I got to get single. I got to get whatever. I, just once, I, once I get that, is everything's going to be okay. And, 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 and it doesn't work because God's more interested in you than your circumstances. <laughs> this is so cool. Elijah says to the people, come here. right if I were the people I'd be like you go first I'm not going to go up there no you go I'll be I'll I'll watch everybody's back go on right come here to me and they came to him and he repaired the altar of the Lord which had been torn down we man we blow through this story all the time imagine the great care I, I again I can't I'm reading too much in the Bible I tend to do that but I tend to think that the Bible characters and the people of the Bible are just like you and I. We just happen to have iPhones and, um, or the off-brand ones. And, um, and so I, I, I wonder how, what he did to rebuild this altar. If he took his time and just really wanted to get it right. Because here's what it says. It says, he took 12 stones. One for each of the tribes descended from Jacob. To whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, Your name shall be Israel. See, Israel was divided. You had Israel in the north and Judah in the south. And this is not what God had intended. God did not intend a divided kingdom with Asherah poles everywhere, with with altars to Baal, and Yahweh's altars all uh, all, all torn down. And so he takes these 12, almost like a sign of unity, each tribe on this altar, to represent Israel. We have got to be one people serving one God. And so I don't know how long it took him. I don't know if he had the people help him. I don't know what he did. He says, with the stones, he built an altar in the name of the Lord. And he dug a trench around it, large enough to hold two sails of seed. I tried to look that up to see how much it was, and all I could get was it was a deep trench. So, sorry, that's all I got. He arranged the wood. I love that. I wonder if he was just like, you know, kind of taking his time, or if he just like threw it on there, or if he arranged it to say something like, Baal is lame, or whatever he did. But he arranged, he took his time, he arranged the wood, and he cut the bull into pieces and laid it on the wood, and he said to them, fill, uh, four large jars with water and pour it on the offering and on the wood. And so they take these large jars and they pour it all over the altar. And then in typical trash talk fashion, he says, and if you were doing a movie right now, the sun would be setting on Elijah's turban uh, or whatever and he would say, do it again. Right? That's exactly what happened. Like, I'm dead serious about this. This is going to be, I'm not playing. I want, I want there to be no question. And so they do it again. Then he says, do it a third time. This is like, God can do this with one hand tied behind his back. And they did it a third time. And the water ran down the altar and even filled up the trench. Here's what Elijah does. He says, at the time of the sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and prayed, Lord the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. Let it be known today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant. I have done these things at your command. And so Elijah, even though he's involved in the process, he knows where his strength comes from. He knows where his help comes from. He knows where this whole thing comes from. And that's why he has the the courage and the gall to trash talk to the the prophets of Baal and to to just know that God's going to come through. And he says, answer me, Lord, answer me. So these people will know that you are God and that you are turning their hearts back again. And the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, the soil, and also licked up all the water in the trench. Boom. Gone. Gone. And that... If I get to heaven and the Lord allows me to go back in time or whatever, or I can hover over and see it, you know, whatever, however it all works, I would love to see how this went down. Because that would have been awesome. And so that's what happens. And the people have the response you and I would have, right? They're taking off their wrist bracelets and their necklaces, and they say, they fell prostrate and cried, the Lord, he is God, the Lord, he is God. And then Elijah, I mean, if you think about his whole life and everything he's gone through. He says to A- A- Ahab, go eat and drink for there's the sound of heavy rain, like the rains coming. I'm going to put this I'm going to put this in kind of our own terms. He just said, "Ahab, rains coming." <laughs> okay? It was a mic drop moment. All right. That's as best as a white person can do it, okay? So I'm sorry about that. All right. So here's what happens. He tells Ahab, (laughs) I'm such an idiot. Uh, It was a cheap mic, by the way. You're like, my tithe goes to this church. (laughs) It's okay. Don't worry about it. I'll pay for it. So uh, he tells Ahab the rain's coming, so go and eat and drink. Now here's the wacky thing about Ahab. That's what he does. Now, what I left out of the story is Elijah and the people slaughtered all 850 prophets of Baal and Asherah. So that just happens. And then he says to Ahab, hey, go eat and drink because the rain's coming. So he's like, oh, okay, sweet. You know, like what? He's just a wacky, crazy dude. And so Elijah goes up to the top of the hill. And he gets down and he starts praying. And he tells his servant, oh, do you see any rain clouds? Because <laughs> I just <laughs> dropped the mic. It's kind of a big deal. And the servant comes back, no, nothing out there. And he's like, praying, praying, praying. He has him go back seven times. At the seventh time, the servant says, there's a cloud about the size of a man's fist. And he's like, oh, God's coming through again, again. So he tells Ahab, hey, get in your chariot. The rain's coming. Get back to Jezreel. That's where his palace was, and that's where Jezebel was. Because I don't want the rain stopping you from getting there. So he sends Ahab out on this, on this run uh, With a chariot And then the power of the Lord Comes on Elijah And he outruns the chariot Okay So he does a Usain bolt And he beats the chariot To Jezreel Now Ahab told Jezebel Everything Elijah had done And how he had killed all the prophets With the sword Again Ahab, Jezebel all the people of Israel, they have a choice right now. Because God has shown who is God. And Elijah helped a dead guy, no flour, uh, oil went out, got fed by ravens, had probably one of the greatest miraculous events in the Bible happen. Prays for rain, rain comes, he outruns a chariot. I mean, this dude's on top of the world. That's why I don't understand what's about to happen next. I don't get it. It doesn't make any sense to me if I think that somebody that has miracles happen in their life means they're exempt from missing out on all that God would have for them. The next verse says this, So Jezebel sent a text to Elijah. I took a little bit of liberty in the translation. It was a messenger. Okay? And here's what she says in her text. May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like one of those prophets. And she ended the text with this. (laughs) Okay. So Elijah texted back. Now, if you're Elijah, and you've gone through all this type of stuff, all these things that God has done, and maybe you're a little tired from the run of the top of the mountain to Jezreel. I have no idea. But, but you... I mean, look at his life. Wouldn't we all love that? So I thought Elijah was going to text back this. <laughs> he just thinks it's funny. Like what... I'm sorry, what? And I thought he'd get a little snarky and just be like, you know, love you, whatever, have a nice day. (laughs) Just to provoke her a little bit more. Because he's Elijah, and God has done everything for him. And the next verse is so disappointing to me, and yet so encouraging. (laughs) It says, Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. Isn't that baffling to you? That he, that, how, why? Why? He has like superpowers. That would be like saying to Superman, you know, I'm, I'm going to punch you. And he's just like, oh, oh, oh I'm out of here. Shoo, you know, he takes off. Like, it just doesn't make any sense to me. Until you realize that Elijah was no different than you or I. I've had this happen to me hundreds of times in ministry. Where God has been faithful, and faithful, and faithful, and faithful, and faithful, and faithful, and faithful. And And then I get a text, and I'm like, oh, what's going to happen? I get an email, or something comes in the mail. Or I look at, you know, our finances for one month, and I'm like, oh, we're going to go. I'm just being honest with you. I I can see God do all these miracles in everybody's life, and then when it comes to this one thing, whatever it is, or whatever, how it deals with me, I, I... I, I run. I want to run. You ever been there? You might be there right now in a place where you, God has been doing great things in your life, has done great things in your life, and he's been faithful and faithful and faithful, and then that one thing happened. You got laid off, or somebody said I'm filing, or what it is, whatever it is. He runs for his life, and so he, uh, Just to kind of give you an idea. He goes into the wilderness and he requests to die. Which, again, doesn't make any sense to me. Isn't that why you were running? But like all of us, we'd rather die on our own terms. I don't think it was going to go particularly well for him if he died at Jezebel's hands. And so maybe he's just like, look, just get it over with. So, you know, just, yeah, I could picture him there going, make it quick, Lord. Make it quick. You know, let me go to sleep and uh, wake up in my sleep. And so guess what he does? He falls asleep. Uh... He's probably going through a little bit of depression right now. And, uh, and he's woken up by what I call a butler angel. There's nothing in the Bible that says butler angel. But the angel shows up with some hot bread and some water. And he's like, hello, Master Elijah. You know, like, like and it starts poking him. Like, hey, wake up. I brought some bread and water for you. And Elijah wakes up and he's like, oh. And, you know, the angel's like, see you later. You know, and off he goes. And Elijah eats the bread and, and the water. And he goes back to sleep again. And the butler angel shows up again. Again, at this point, you'd go, I'm going back. I I, I mean, this is ridiculous. God is so much in my life. This is, what am I doing out here? Why why am I out here? Like, God's sending angels to feed me. And so the butler angel comes, and he, he leaves. He goes back into the wilderness, and he's gone for 40 days and 40 nights off of that bread and water that the angel had made for him, and he ends up in a cave in Oreb, the mountain of god and god asks the question to elijah that he asked me all the time and he asks you all the time when we find ourselves in a place where god has been faithful for years and something happens and we start turning the other way and we just we just we just got to escape we got to get away we can't face it because i know god has been faithful for years but this one I don't know if God can handle Jezebel. That, that one's a tough one. God asked this question. What are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here? You're in a cave in the mountain of God. You know, I I, I don't know how what the tone of God was. I don't think it was do do do. Whoa! What are you doing here, Elijah? <laughs> I don't think so. I think he's like, what are you doing here? What in your mind made you think this would be a better place than where I want you to be? But Jezebel? What? In three years, she's going to be eaten by dogs. Spoiler alert, okay? <laughs> but they're going to push her out of a, the palace window. As a matter of fact, it's a great story. I'll tell it real quick because it's awesome. Well, you know what? Read it for yourself. Um <laughs> And so uh, he says, what are you doing? This is the question he has for all of us. I just showed up miraculously. I proved I'm the one true God. I'm it. You can devote your whole life to me. You can give everything. It's always a win for you when you obey. It's always a win for you when you trust. It's always a win. What are you doing here? And watch what Elijah does because he does exactly what I do. He says this. He doesn't answer the question (laughs) See, to answer the question, you go, oh, I was really scared. I'm here because I'm running from Jezebel. Have you seen her? She's crazy. Let me show you the text, all right? <laughs> skull and crossbones in a coffin. He doesn't answer the question. He says what I believe he's been repeating in his mind for 40 days and 40 nights to justify why he is not where he's supposed to be. Here's what he says. And watch all the blame he puts on himself. Let's start with that much and go from there. I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. Oh, that's why you're here? No, let me continue. The Israelites have rejected your covenant. Oh, that's right. No, hold on. Tore down your altars and put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left and now they're trying to kill me too. First of all, he knows that's not true because he knows that Obadiah had hid a hundred prophets in caves. So he's not the only one left. Now, he might feel like he's the only one doing anything, and you know, that's understandable. But that's his answer. And so God goes, go to the top of the mountain. Now, in my generation, when my dad said, go to your room and wait for me, it never ended well, okay? <laughs> he did never said, go to your room, and oh, and by the way, what's your favorite candy? Okay, I'll be right back. It was always go to your room, and, uh, and there was going to be some sort of discipline. And so, uh, Elijah goes. He g- g- tells him to go to the top before God, and God passes by Elijah. Like, talk about the final thing that would get you to go, man! And so, so first of all, this great wind comes, and the wind's so great, it's breaking the rocks around Elijah, but God's not in that great wind, and the earthquake shows up, and he's not in an earthquake, and the fire shows up, and he's not in the fire, and a still, small voice, the voice that you hear every time you take a step to go to the wilderness, because you're frightened, or because you're disappointed, or because you're depressed, or because you're angered, or because you feel disrespected, that still small voice that talks to you right at that first step is now talking to Elijah when he gets to the top of the mountain. And here's the question he asks. What are you doing here, Elijah? (laughs) Like, let's start over. You're talking to God. I've demonstrated that. What are you doing here? And Elijah has this wonderful opportunity to go, I'm here because I'm scared I'm here because I'm angry a bunch of my friends died by Jezebel like a lot of them she slaughtered a lot of them and I'm, I'm exhausted I outran a chariot I'm really tired my calves hurt right but he could come up with anything you know what he comes up with the exact thing he said that he'd been reserve, uh, rehearsing for 40 days. Here's what he says. He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your government, tore down your altars and put your prophets to death with the sword. And I'm the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. How many of us, myself included, have rehearsed things? And they're so ingrained in us of why, why we're let off the hook For why we're acting the way we're acting. And we rehearse it, we rehearse it, we rehearse it. That we miss out on what God would have for us. Back in the land of obedience. I want to show you something very fascinating to me. I I believe Elijah has rehearsed this so much. That when you look at verse 10. And you look at verse 14 together. So here's what I'm going to do. On the slide, you can see verse 14. I'm going to slide to verse 10, and then to the 14, then the 10 and the 14 again. And well, I want you to see what changes. So we're at 14 right now. Then we go to 10, then we go to 14, then we go to 10, and then we go to 14. And one digit. The, ten, the, the zero and the four. It's the only thing. Why? Because Elijah had rehearsed this for 40 days. He'd come up with his reason. He'd come up with, why this particular action? You see, it wasn't good for anyone else, but he's the only one left. God, if you knew my story, if you knew my story, you'd understand why my disobedience is okay, why my unforgiveness is fine, because you don't know how much I was hurt. If you knew how much my, um, my, my resentment was okay because you just don't know my story. If you knew my story, let me tell it to you again, exactly like I told it to you before, and then you'll really, maybe you didn't hear it the first time. If you understood why my anger is okay, why my lust is okay, why my infidelity is okay, why my pride, why my greed, why my lack of self-control is okay, let me tell you my story, because I'm the only one with it. And God, to Elijah, has the same thing he'd say to you and I. The Lord said, go back the way he came. I mean, he doesn't even acknowledge the story. Just like Elijah didn't acknowledge his question, he didn't acknowledge his story. He didn't say, Elijah, listen, I know it's been really hard. I know you lost a bunch of your friends. I know, it was... no, Elijah, go back the way you came. You're going to have 40 days to unmemorize that story. And he gives him something to do and he tells him to anoint this other king and to, like, just like, I, I, I have so much more left for you. Anoint this king and he's going to see some other things happen. And then he's going to take his, his prophet mantle and he's going to place it upon Elisha, who's going to do great things. But he can't do it while he's in this wilderness of, of bitterness and fear. And he goes on and he says, he, he, he kind of talks about the idea that, um, that these other prophets are going to arise and they're going to set everything straight. Now again, it's the Old Testament and so it's pretty raw and the way they s- set it straight is by uh, killing uh, m- most of the people who are followers of Baal because there just needs to be a clean slate. And he says, yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed to, down to Baal. And whose mouth have not kissed him? Do you know how difficult it would have been for them? Elijah has all these miracles and stuff, and he's got flour and ravens and all this. Those seven thousand had to live in a culture that was worshiping Baal and Asherah, and it was everywhere. There, There were billboards everywhere. There was culture everywhere. Every time they turned on the TV, there it was. Baal. It was everywhere. And there were 7,000 that said no. Elijah wasn't alone. You're not alone. Your story, don't be mad at me, is not unique. The facts of it might be unique, but there are many, many, many other people who are going through and have gone through similar things. And when they took that step towards the wilderness... They heard that still, small voice. Now, what are you doing here? But where are you going? Where are you going? I wonder if that voice happened to Elijah when he turned and ran, and he just ignored it. But God is so faithful that when we we make that turn and we go, you know what, I don't think I can do this. Oftentimes the Lord, in this still, small voice, not in a thunder, not in a this or that, a miraculous thing, or your car won't start or whatever, he just says, come on you know better, I've been faithful, what'd you get, what'd you get, you got laid off, okay, we'll deal with that, yeah, it'll be hard, it'll be, you know, whatever, we're going to get through that, this relationship didn't work out, I I get it, I get it, I'm the God of relationships, and so, he asks, hey, so, as Ajo returns Where are you? <laughs> Where are you in this process? I've been everywhere in Elijah's story. Everywhere. I've seen God do incredibly miraculous things. Oh. I've been scared. Not, not for my life. And I've been scared. Scared of the future. Scared of insecurity. Scared of, uh, scared of uh, uncertainty. Scared of major health things. I've been scared. I've been... That first day in the wilderness where the Lord kicks me and says, all right, dude, here's some bread, here's some water, head head back in. I've been there. I've been to the mountain of God in a cave going, ah, I'm the only one left. It's just me. Why do I have to sell in a self-pity party? I've been on top of the mountain hearing God's voice again, but still unwilling to give up my narrative. And I've made my way back to where I was supposed to be. Where are you in this journey? See, I find it incredibly encouraging that this man of God who saw all these miracles went through the same struggle that you and I go through, no matter what. And that God, in his mercy, could have, in the fire when he showed up on the mountain, consumed Elijah. In the earthquake, could have swallowed up Elijah. And in the winds could have blown him off the top of the mountain. But he speaks to him in a still, small voice.